You're under arrest. Bullshit. You have the right to remain silent. Move. I go alone. John, the man has the right. He ain't gonna make it out there, Dave. He's only gonna get my way. Don't bet on it. There ain't no elevators out there, mister. No cable cars, no buses, no damn taxi cabs. So why don't you settle your ass at the motel and I'll do what I do best. Mr. Knox, you've got one choice, and one choice only. That is to guide me into those mountains. That is the one way, the only way, you will be permitted to help your friend. You're not a vigilante. You will be acting under my authority, under my orders. Questions so far? Good. And I don't give a rat's ass whether you like it or not. You try going after this guy alone, and your ass will be in jail so fast your head will spin. Not giving me much here. <laughs> I was hoping you could pull it through, but I was mistaken. There's the beginning. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films presents Obsessed with the Obscure. That's right, another obscure gem that you may not have seen. I uh, I ran into a kid at the golf course and we started talking. I said, how old are you, man? He's like, I'm 47. I said, yeah, where'd you grow up? He's like, I grew up outside of Boston. <laughs> Do we and know him? <laughs> no, we don't know him, but... Where outside of Boston? Uh, Brockton, I think. What? Oh, come on. But he's he he was born in seventy five, so yeah. it's your age. But it had been a long time since I actually talked with someone in my age demographic that could get all the references. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was kind of especially cool. if you're from up north, yeah. you have all the same references. It was kind of cool. We were talking yeah. about going. To the, I told him we used to go to the mall. Yeah. There and that was and then he's like, "Would you like to buy?" He's like. I said, oh, I bought those remote control cars. He's like, yeah, I had a grasshopper when I was younger. I was like, I hell? had a grasshopper when I was younger. Yeah, and that's, we that's like it. people saying, oh, I had Diamondback bikes. Yeah, we all had Diamondback yeah. bikes. He's like, I bet you. Had, I told him I yeah. met when I crashed. The, or the Mongoose. We, Mongoose yeah. was another one. Haro. Nash, the National, yep. that was another one. Yeah, it's crazy when you hear it. That's why I always thought it was interesting when you caught Family Guy, because Seth MacFarlane's our age, and yeah. a lot of those references he makes, yeah. it's crazy. They They're very specifically New England, specifically Rhode Island, Massachusetts kind of jokes that he just throws in there. It was, uh, who was it? Patton Oswalt. He grew up in Northeast. He's like, let me tell you a little bit about a place called Carvel Ice Cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you couldn't cut those cakes with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the forks would bend? Oh, yeah, man. When we would you could still get there? those at Walmart here. Can you? Yeah. Carvel Ice Cookie Puss. No, I mean, not, you're not going to get the fancy-ass ones. You'll just get the like normal said, birthday ones. He one, said the but. worst part about it is the, is the guy did his own commercials, oh, the commercials and he sounded awesome. like Tom Waits gargling hot asphalt. Yeah. It's a Cookie Puss. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm Tom Carvel for the Carvel ice cream cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Take the root one off of Main, yeah. off of Main Street. It's a North Attleboro. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's awesome. Well, he knew where Watery Hill was. Like, yeah. he, it was cool that's cool like to meet somebody that had got a bunch of your references well he probably would have gotten all our you tell him about the podcast say hey i didn't tell him about the podcast what, but what, you're I'm not sure pimping the podcast out there i didn't pimp the podcast <laughs> to him he seems like one who would enjoy it the most because a lot of these especially these obscure ones they're heavily aimed towards yeah. our dem age demographic who might have been and there's some people probably listening that are like that's not obscure like they just oh, happen yeah. to be in the time period where it got played over and over and over again I mean, yeah, if you're looking at, like, the TBS, uh, like, some of those. Not the one we're doing today, but the other one. Yeah, we, we one? can tell about Beastmaster. And, okay, you know, Beastmaster if you were, grew up in New England in 1985 yeah. or six or whenever that came out on HBO or Cinemax. It's certainly obscured if you're in your, like, 20s. Oh, now. Jesus, you would never have known about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, and not to get too long on that one, but it spawned a lot of cool stuff. I mean, it was oh, yeah. very cool Dungeons and Dragons Some good trivia on that I'll share with you when that time comes. But today, we're going to do an awesome one. We actually picked this before we lost the great Sidney Poitier, who is awesome. You killed him. I have a ton of... You killed him. I did not. I have a ton of great Sidney Poitier movies from uh, Lilies in the Field to Sir with Love, you know, uh, the the Mr. Tibbs one. uh, You know what my favorite one is? What's that? Sneakers. Yep. I was just going to say there's two of the modern ones that people really enjoyed. Uh, and really liked, and one of them was sneakers, which 
I'm not sure that would uh, qualify for an obscure movie, but maybe for in for some people. Nobody's heard of that it's, movie. It, it's almost obscure. Almost everything's obscure now because they don't play it as much on TV unless you're talking about like the FX streaming channels that just has the movie channels like that that you might see it there. But they, they get Tubi's done. You know a really where I good see a lot of too. obscure ones. Tubi come up? and Cracker. Uh, oh. YouTube free with ads. Yeah, the one the movies that mm-hmm. are free with ads literally is a obscure playbook. Yeah, Wait, <laughs> like, and this is one of them that was on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you want to watch this movie and follow along with us when we do the time codes, this is a perfect one to do it to because the YouTube. If you Google, so we're going to be talking. Obviously, saw it in the title there. We're going to talk about some shoot to kill, but if you. Go to the YouTube version of it. The movie looks incredible. It's almost like Blu-ray quality. I was like, "Holy shit!" Because most of the ones I've caught on YouTube look crappy as hell. The uh, it's funny because the title doesn't connect me to the movie at all. I was confused it's it back really in the day like, because it was close to the ACDC song "Shoot to Thrill," but they actually yeah. did say "Shoot to Kill" in the song uh, lyrics also. But it was but this movie doesn't conjure up. Like I had to think. I was like, shoot to kill. Because then I thought Tom Berenger, and I was like, sniper. <laughs> and I was like, shoot to kill. Uh, one shot, one kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just went through some brain yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> but this was one of the pay-per-view movies when we had pay-per-view yeah. on cable. And we, we would see you had that one pay-per-view channel that unless you were ordering or watching a movie, they just played trailers 24-7. And I would leave that fucking thing on until you or Matt would be like, turn the fucking channel here. So I had seen all these trailers so many times, and this was a classic pay-per-view one. I remember renting it and being so happy. It was a beautifully told... We're going to end up... There's not a lot of our obsessed with obscure ones really matter when it comes to spoilers, (laughs) but this is kind of a big one that's not going to ruin it for you, but they do a, a decent job somewhat when you rewatch it you can kind of I tell mean, who the killer is the problem is. is now if this movie came out now and i see a group of people and clancy brown is in it yeah there goes dave right there <laughs> uh well no they did a great job they did a great job because they put andrew robinson in it yep and andrew robinson was the zodiac killer in, in uh dirty and Harry. the other guy yeah the guy from license to drive was no, rich not the, one, not the one i'm thinking of there's one other dude that i've seen um, him as a bad guy and something else the only other two people is that Frederick Coffin and Kevin uh, Scannell. Yeah, because Richard Mauser had been a bad guy while he was in The Thing, and he kind of was the bad guy yeah. in The Thing, and then went to do License to Drive and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I loved all the actors in this. They did a great, really fantastic job. And Sidney Poitier was always just so likable and just screamed authority. So putting him in as an FBI agent was Yeah, really, you really automatically great. believe him. And what's his name? Uh, Tom Berenger. Tom nobody Berger plays had a, that. Forget. Nobody plays that part of just rebel, rough rebel kind like, of. I'm, I'm doing, doing this on my own. Yeah, my own my kind way. of way. You, you're don't slow me down, or I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he had that same speech in Platoon. Yeah, or even in like Major League. <laughs> you yeah, you know. Yeah, he he just played that type of guy, and he had a moment in the '90s. People forget the kind of Tom Berenger. He pops up. He popped up in Inception, and people were like, "Holy fuck." Where the fuck did Tom Berenger come right. from? And that was like the first time we had seen him in years. And in the 90s, he was huge, he man. Was he huge. was in a ton of stuff. He's on that great movie where he gets in a car accident. Shattered. And Shattered. Fucking love Shattered, man. And that's you another obscure Shattered? one. Yeah, we could do that one. Later. I just got uh, another obscure one that we might be talking about. And I, this is going to be a difficult one. This one had the best surprise ending of like any movie I had seen in a long time was Whispers in the Dark. Do you oh, yeah. remember that with Annabella Shiora? Yeah. And then uh, the, the scene at the end, I won't tell it, there's a, uh, that scene at the end at the dinner table where all shit goes to hell and you revealed the shocking ending. I remember watching, having people watch that movie so I had watched their reaction of how shocking it was because, and Shattered was like that. Yeah. When you knew the ending of Shattered yeah. and then it came and you were like, oh, that's so great. Mom said she watched it and could see it coming. I, I was like, back then we could not see it coming. She she saw it coming because she saw it before. Maybe. Th- that's possible, too. She had to have seen it back but in the 80s. I, I think I think a modern audience could have seen it coming, though. You know, Probably. I, I think back in the day, we weren't looking yeah, in we weren't all looking those different for, ways. Now, we've seen so many of those type of movies with the fractured timelines. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. With, you know, the it's, big hard. it's hard. It's to hard to do something original. Movies. I mean, that's why when Blair Witch Project came up, yeah. it blew up. It wasn't particularly a great movie. Yeah. 
It just did a lot of things that no other movie did before. Yeah. There's a lot of those. And that in the the same time you look at uh, M. Night Shyamalan, who you know, he was people weren't doing, He's doing TV shows. Really he? clever did he? Does he? I didn't he has a TV that. show out. Huh. I didn't even know. But with Shoot to Kill, Shoot to Kill had a great kind of detective story and it was really rooted in that whole serial killer hunting that serial killer down. But let's go through and talk about some of the actors. So let's go back to Sidney Poitier. Just recently died. I mean, epic kind of roster if you look at his IMDb page. It's insane. Over you can't go three, wrong. Four, five decades, right? Like, yeah. At least. At least. And it's one of those things that even the movies that you don't like that he's in, he's still good in. It's like Gary Oldman. You yeah. know, it, if you don't like a Gary Oldman movie, that's fine. You're still like I mean, Gary I can't Oldman. think of a... Sidney Poitier movie is did he do the original Look Who's Coming to Dintner? Or uh yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, along with uh what's his name? Uh Spencer Tracy and Catherine yeah. Hepburn, yeah. I loved him in um Little Nikita with oh, okay. uh River Phoenix. It was yeah. a really good one when he lived next door, but he was actually an agent kind of in the search of like I think it was his parents that were Russians or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was really good. So I was always a fan of Sidney Poitier and putting these guys in this together because when the root of this, it's kind of a buddy comedy. It's not overtly jokes like 48 Hours or something like it that. It did have... You would never put this it, under I did comedy. laugh out loud during one scene, Oh, though. there's a lot of good scenes. He had a lot where, of where their, funny lines. It was weird. They went back and forth. Their relationship together was playful, but it wasn't com- comedy, you know? No. Like, I love... It was almost like... What scene were you la- did you laugh at? He's trying to get on the horse. Oh, yeah. I love when he was eating the marmot, too. Yeah, that's right. You eat marmot? What's marmot? It's kind of like a big hairy rat. (laughs) Really great. And Tom Berenger, we had mentioned, I don't think any role he ever did was as powerful as Platoon. I don't don't think think we've ever seen him play that insane before. I think after that, he played kind of a love interest. He got that character really well, I think. Yeah, but... You would think that he would have been typecast as that crazy motherfucker, and he really didn't. I don't no. remember him playing a mean guy. I mean, he usually played that. the leading man. I mean, he wasn't the most handsome guy, so mostly. He was when he was really young. You look at that, that what was that, uh, that Dog Men, The Legend of the Dog Men. Yeah, I don't or, remember that one. Uh, some of his... Uh, it looked then, like some of his scars were re- real <laughs> on his face. Well, eventually he got a little rough. You know, I think he was, he was a lot more kind of baby-faced but had the rough beard, but then... When he got older, I don't know if it was smoking or or, or drinking, drinking or something that he, he gained a little <laughs> bit of that weight, and it it changed his roles, which worked fine for him. Remember we, when he did Sniper, he was going to be the military guy for a while, and he did that yeah. kind of run for a little while there. I love that original Sniper with him. Yeah, it was good. What was your favorite Tom Berenger movie? Might be this one, to be honest with you. Ah, it's no, gotta be Platoon. Platoon. It's got to be Platoon. I or mean, you're watching somebody. Did he win the Oscar for that? He had to have been. Man, nominated. if he didn't win the Oscar for that, I'm going to be pissed. If we had a producer, they could look that shit up. Justin, why didn't you sit in with us? Could have used you right now, buddy. All right, let's go Christy Alley. Christy Alley back then was killing it, too. I just got the original Look Who's Talking on DVD. I haven't seen it forever, man. But I remember really enjoying that first one. I you know what I appreciated going back and watching her? Because I had seen her again. My wife, maybe four years ago, I want to say. Watch the entire run of Cheers. Oh, nice! She and was I so work great. On my computer. I loved her. I'd be in working Cheers. on my computer, but Cheers is right here in the background. She was, was and she's a plays a totally different. Oh yeah, she brings almost none of that to yeah. this role, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Yeah, she had a moment along with Tom Berenger back then where she was in a lot of different th- stuff and she killed it in all those things. Like, Nothing. Look who's talking. Her to? her opposite. Was she like, in look who's talking? Yeah, that's why that's why I mentioned look who's talking. Oh, <laughs> subliminary. Uh, yeah. But uh, what Madhouse was another great one with her and John uh, Lacazama. That uh, not John Lacazama, John Larroquette. I loved uh, that movie. Yeah, she had done so much stuff back John then. John Lacazama, he he irritates me, although he's a good actor. He's a different, whole different actor now. If you watched him in that like Waco, like miniseries, he was really really good in it. Uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown has had a huge kind of thing. When you rewatch this, and that was our spoiler that kind of Clancy Brown is our our main villain in this. And it it was a spoiler, and it really wasn't, because it, you're literally like a half hour into the movie when you find out. And if you're familiar with uh, Clancy Brown, you could tell it's him on the fucking uh, phone at, in the first five minutes. Oh, then he can disguise his voice? No, he sounds like the guy from The Highlander. Oh, okay. He sounds just like it. Or he sounds like Mr. Krabs, which are, a lot of people don't realize that Clancy Brown is the voice of Mr. Krabs. One of my favorite things with Clancy Brown was that 
um, HBO show, The Carnival. Oh, yeah. Where he played the devil. Yep. Oh, my God. Was he was intense in that movie. Scary as shit. That season finale when he ripped his shirt off and he was running through the cornfield. That was... Uh, Poop. <laughs> what's his name's... One of his best roles, Nick Stahl. Nick Stahl. He was great in that. Nick Stahl was great in everything. People forget about him because I think he's just kind of left the business completely now. But was he, uh, Did he get wrapped up in the Me Too movement? Was he I don't that got in think so. I think he, there was something else with him. Or am I confusing his character from Sin City? Or, or from Bully. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's played I, I kind of think maybe he was, but I think he might have been on the other end of it. I think okay. he might have been Me Too. I'm not sure. Don't quote any of us on that. We don't know what don't we're talking listen, about. Yeah, we don't don't ever listen to us. First off, <laughs> we don't other, know outside what we're of about. entertainment, <laughs> like we're trying to entertain you. A couple geeks talking outside about their that, favorite don't movies. listen to us about anything, <laughs> ever. Uh, Clancy Brown's been huge. He's in the new Dexter, which we have not watched yet. Uh, we got Showtime through our uh, sister-in-law, but we haven't. We started that Yellow Jacket show. Have you heard about that? Nope. It's like a a female soccer team that goes down in the wilderness, and they have to like they're in there Eat for nine they're there for nineteen months. It's like Lord of the Flies, but they're like killing the other soccer players, hunting them down, killing them, slitting their throats, and eating them. It's fucked up. And we're te- we're seeing it from the point of view when they're already back, and we're seeing how they're affected by it. Uh, really good. Christina Ricci's in it, and uh, Juliet Lewis. I, have, I really always good. like Christina Ricci. Oh yeah, she don't look anything like you. You wouldn't. You would watch the whole thing and not know it was her. She has the same eyes. I'll recognize her. I don't know, man. It's it, she was in the new Matrix, and I looked at the cast at the end, and I was like, Christina Ricci was in this, and I looked it up, and I had to go back, and I still couldn't see that it was her. She has the Susan Sarandon. She's blonde. Eyes. She looks like Michelle Pfeiffer now. Like, I'll, she looks like a young Michelle Pfeiffer. Go check her. Check the picture out when you're uh, listening to this later. Christina Ricci, Yellow Jackets. Uh, Richard Mauser, we mentioned him, License to Drive, The Thing. He it, was like the... It. Yeah, he was in It. Yeah, he got his head removed. He was the one in, in the refrigerator. He was the one in the refrigerator. Talking. Always a cool guy. I loved him in uh, Son-in-Law. If you remember that scene where they're all hanging out at the, the dinner table eating. I don't. And when, uh, you know, when uh, Brandon Fraser eats the fly. Meat Group. That was a great movie. No, not Son-in-Law. Encino Man. Encino Man, okay. All right. Even when I said it, it didn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always loved Richard Mauser, man. He was cool. Now, Andrew Robinson, that's why the, he was cleverly put in here. This was not an accident that they put the four guys all were, like, known as villains in movies, really. I mean, you have to if you're going to try to pull that. So, Andrew Robinson, I always know from almost equally as much because he doesn't look kind of like the Andrew Robinson that you know later in his life. He didn't look that way in Dirty Harry, so you cannot separate him. When I think him, That's I the think guy I'm talking about. Yeah, I think more Hellraiser when I think Andrew Robinson. He was the dad in Hellraiser, come to Deadly. He had that great line at the end, which was clever because he was actually a nice guy in Hellraiser until Frank stole his skin, and then Andrew Robinson got to play the villain at the end. And I was like, ah, I knew it was in his contract that he had to play an asshole. Yeah. So going into this movie, I almost immediately thought of uh, Andrew Robinson. They didn't keep the ploy up too long. Not too to long. Be no, 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 no. They could have dragged it out even more, but... Yeah. The other two guys, though, are, and I listed their movies on this because they're not as well known as the other ones. And one is Frederick Coffin, who plays Ralph, one of the other hikers. And he was famous for Alone in the Dark, The Bedroom Window, Hard to Kill, If Looks Could Kill, V.I. Wachowski, Wayne's World, and Identity. Now, Wayne's World, he was the cop at the donut shop. That's kind of his okay. most well known role, really. Okay. And, uh,. Kevin Scannell is the other guy. He plays Ben, and he was in a shitload of TV, but he was also in Turner and Hooch, The Player, Camp Nowhere, and Bowfinger. So all big actors. And the the crew, the crew was really good in this. So the director was Roger Spotswood. Never heard of him. Spottiswood. He's directed a shitload, dude. I mean, he's a Bond director in here, too. So he directed Terror Train, The Best of Times, Turner and Hooch. The Best of Times was great. Yeah, it was a great movie. That Robin that Williams, Kurt Ru- Russell one. So Terror Train, Best of Times, Turner and Hooch, Air America, Stop or Your Mom Will Shoot, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The Sixth Day. I mean, just for Tomorrow Never Dies, that's pretty impressive. That and Shoot to Kill. Are- I wonder what got him that job. I wonder which movie of his got him that job. I mean, those were told in order, too. So, Terror Train, he, he did... It certainly wasn't Stopping Your Mom Will Shoot. It might have been Air America and Shoot to Kill, you know? I mean, Air that, America had a bunch of stunts. And a lot of times it's probably, oh, this guy's a huge Bond fan. I would not yeah. want a director on a Bond movie that's not a huge Bond fan. But sure. you would want 
you have to have action and you have to have action. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have action in your repertoire. In your repertoire. Yeah, you can't sure. you can't do a Bond movie and have done you know the King's Speech. <laughs> so this this is always surprising me. There's three writers on this, and it's always great. And surprises me when a movie is this good with three writers because it usually means it's it's it's, it's like kinda, Jaws. It's kind of shaky. Where they they pass See, it back and that forth. That didn't go. Uh, that went the right way too. But that so. went the right way, but yeah. it, it was a. Did you you know about the? Oh yeah, process, yeah, yeah. Like, they had to go, and they were giving the actors chances at giving a whirl at some of the scenes. It just ended up working out that way. A lot of times when you have a lot of writers, you're like, oh, these guys really aren't sure if this movie's going to be great. And this movie was. So some of the writers, Harv Zimmel, who was just famous for various TV. Michael Burton, who's famous for Flight of the Navigator. And then here's the final co-writer, and he's the one that's got a lot of credits on his hands. So Daniel Petrie Jr., who did uh, Beverly Hills Cop, The Big Easy, Turner and Hooch, Toy Soldiers. So he was actually the director of Toy Soldiers, if you listened to me and Justin last week. Uh, we talked about Toy Soldiers. He's kidding. And he also was the writer of In the Army Now. Now, the cinematographer, I'm I'm so excited when I come up with these lists, specifically for the cinematographers and the editors, because you forget those guys don't get a lot of their due of how great they are. Listen to the cinematographer who did this, uh, who did Shoot to Kill. His name is Michael Chapman, and he was the cinematographer on Taxi Driver, The Old School Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Raging Bull, The Man with Two Brains, Lost Boys, Scrooged, Ghostbusters 2, Quick Change, Kindergarten Cop, Doc Hollywood, Whispers in the Dark, The Fugitive, Rising Sun, Primal Fear, Space Jam, Six Days and Seven Nights. That's insane, man. That's, that's, that's got to be. So many great a, movies. If there was like a Hall of Fame, he'd have to be in it. Yeah, I mean, just for Taxi Driver and Raging Bull alone. I mean, those are like major ones. The Fugitive, that that cinematography on The Fugitive was gorgeous. The it was Fugitive really good. Rising Sun those, also, Rising great Sun. cinematography. The, huh. the Fugitive is... I love that movie so much. Top twenty. I can put sure. it. I can, I can go and put it on, and I'll never get bored of it. Yep, absolutely. And I even like the sequel. What oh, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, yeah. U.S. Marshal was, was good. Too. Not as good, but not very as good. good. They should totally have done a third one. They still could do a third. I mean, one Harrison else. Ford was awesome in that movie. Ah, oh, everyone was awesome. That's why I give the cinematographer Michael Chapman. Chaps. Joey Pants. Chops. <laughs> I mean, the whole ensemble just worked. Oh, yeah. Everybody worked. So the there's two editors on this, both super accomplished, too. And the first one was George Bowers, who edited The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, The Stepfather, Harlem Nights, <laughs> Sleeping with the Enemy. to make that movie. <laughs> A League of Their Own, The Good Son, Renaissance Man, A Money Train. And then the other co-editor did the best of <laughs> this Guy was the friend of the director, uh, who was the other editor, Garth Craven, because he did the editing of The Best of Times, Turner and Hooch, Soap Dish. Well, you kind of want your own dude in there. Yeah. He also did uh, My Best Friend's Wedding and Legally Blonde. And the composer was John Scott, who is famous for North Dallas 40, Grace Goth, The Legend of Tarzan, which I just bought, Lionheart, and Ruby, which I just bought. The 92 Rudy? Ruby. Oh, Ruby. Yeah, that Jack Danny Ruby. Aiello, uh, Jack Ruby one. Do you remember that? 92? Yeah. Damn, man. That, that's a hard movie to find. I, I had to find that for my came uh, out, girl. JFK came out in 91. Yep. And they had Ruby came out in 92, so it was like you got a good Yeah, I haven't it. seen it in like 20 years, so I can't the, wait to Oliver revisit Oliver Stone it. has a new movie out. Yeah, about I heard the, about that. About the Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. revisited. I have not watched it yet, but it's literally the only movie that's out there right now that really like has got me interested in wanting to see it. Yeah, I was I'm sure there are other movies. I yeah. just they're not they're not doing my favorite genre right now as much. Yeah. No, which they, is the Zodiac style, like really long. <laughs> that'll come out <laughs> at some point. Man, I'm the next movie I'm going to the movie theater seeing is not until March and it's the Batman for sure. The Batman you'd probably really enjoy. It's three hours long. I always like the Batman ones, even well, though I'm not a big. Well, this is the movie. Matt Reeves one, and what they've done with Colin Farrell in it, and getting Paul Dano to play the Riddler. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be epic. I can't yeah. wait for it. Uh, so some of the details on this movie uh, it had an hour and fifty minute runtime. The rating was R. It was released on February twelfth, nineteen eighty eight. So it's about to have an anniversary here, and uh, the filming locations all in Pacific British Columbia. Northwest. What's that? I was guessing Pacific Northwest. Yep, British Columbia. Um, and uh, the budget was fifteen million dollars, and the worldwide gross was just shy of thirty million dollars. So pretty doubled damn, the money. Pretty damn good. That's good. You I have, mean, that's they had some really good uh, crew members on this. So I mean, they had the the wilderness is its own character character in this entire movie for sure. I I just remember 
like so if you want to know how big of a badass uh what's his name Behringer uh, Behringer's character is from a from a Sydney Portier standpoint when he, when they went to that thing that shuffled you across yeah and it was stuck on the other side mm. I know I'm jumping halfway into the movie That's but cool. Tom Berenger didn't hesitate to try to shimmy across oh, yeah. a steel cable over a ravine, 400-foot ravine. Like, my knees shake when I see that stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. I, over the years, and we've talked about this before, I love heights. I had a job climbing billboards in South Florida like a monkey. I don't. I love being up on heights. I have this weird phobia that I'm going to jump without thinking about mm-hmm. it. That's crazy. And so I have to, I really have to keep that in consideration because it's, it, I would never do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that thought is every time I'm there is it's like, just don't jump off yeah. the edge. And it's like, why? Okay, brain. Thank you for that. Every time you say that, I think of your, uh, your sister-in-law saying that she's, uh, that she's got to clutch oh, her keys when yeah. she goes over grates because she's afraid that one day she's, she's just going to purposely throw, throw yeah, her, key her keys the in grate. there and everybody else is like, I mean, irrational stuff like that. There's no way to yeah, explain it's weird. it. Yeah, but uh, I just had to kill a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that shit starts. Dude. I mean, that's how it starts. So keep up. Right. Watch me for the warning signs. <laughs> they, uh, but the wilderness, yeah, was great. I mean, British and- Columbia is supposed to be one of the most beautiful places. I definitely will visit. I'm going to Toronto, which is a completely different area of Canada. But British Columbia, the whole west area there, I I'm very excited to go check out because. A lot of movies are filmed there because it's just gorgeous. And if you want that, like, like the edge, I'm pretty sure the edge was filmed there too. If not, like maybe Washington State or something. Mm-hmm. But that whole area is pretty similar. Uh, let's get into a little bit of trivia here. So this was Sidney Poitier's first acting role in 11 years. When he he did took this. a big break. Yeah, he took a huge what was the break. Role, movie before he did this. Oh man, you're asking me quite Justin. <laughs> I don't have. I don't oh, can't okay. tell you that. But. Uh, this was called Deadly Pursuit in the UK. Now, would you have been better with it being called Deadly Pursuit? It actually it is would more have fitting. made a lot more sense. It made, it's more fitting. That's for sure. They're because pursuing this guy. Shoot to kill, like t- he didn't even shoot any of the people in the in the party in the climbing party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that but, was tough to watch. But he did shoot the people in the eyes. That was he did his thing. Now, here's the thing. He so. How can we're spoiling it completely, right? Yeah, but okay. if you're going to be talking about that scene, that's one of the scenes we're going to be okay. time well, we'll talking about. Then. Yeah, the two scenes we're going to be talking about, we're going to go through the movie real uh, quick here and just give us the, the highlights, and then we're going to be talking about a couple specific scenes why we do commentary over it. And one of them is when he finally reveals himself as the kind of bad guy and just thins the herd. <laughs> and the, then we're going to talk about the showdown on the I mean, third. it was kind of funny knowing he was the bad guy, watching him make small talk in, oh, the, yeah, in yeah. the beginning. No, because they and they gave great looks by every yeah. actor. Yeah, they, they definitely made some... They made that alpha dude... Like the one that wanted to go across the basket first, and the, like, it, oh yeah, he made him look suspicious. All right, let me go through the trivia here. So it was called Deadly Pursuit in the UK because of a recent shooting rampage that killed dozens of people. Apparently, using shoot to kill was a bad kind of precedent at that time. In '88, what was going on? In, you said in the UK. Yeah. So whatever happened in the UK in '88 must have been a shooting spree know. of some sort. Was there? Uh, what was going on with? With Northern Ireland and them. When was... I know Sinn Féin was... There's a very good chance that it involved Northern Ireland. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can guarantee you that. All right. Uh, in a fight with Tom Berger's character, Sidney Poitier says he has been up against the Mafia, the KKK, and the KGB. And he has in like three movies, which is interesting. I'm wondering if that's the reason they did that, because... He was in uh, Let's Do It Again, uh, The Heat of the Night, and then Little Nikita. So in the, the thing is, is why would you think just because you were an agent, you could handle the weather there? That's what I would be. No, and that's what made about. the movie interesting. It's like, it's like, yeah, you can be the baddest person in the world, but if you're not used to being in the wilderness like that, hmm. it's, you know, that's... Is out there. Also interesting that there was another. The original title was Ma- the Mountain Kings, which no, yeah, I'm glad they went with. I kind of like Deadly Pursuit, but I'm wondering if there was a movie. The Mountain Kings. That should have been Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain Kings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> alternative title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the knife Behringer is seen using is the Gerber BMF survival knife, and if those people with uh, who really grew up in the '80s knows, that was the Stallone Rambo knife yep. that he used, which was very popular. 
Uh, the yeah, canyons, you could get them at flea markets everywhere. Another interesting thing is the canyon scene where Berenger crosses on the cable is the same uh, location in First Blood. Oh, when was he's, it? When he's hanging on the, uh, the side okay. of the wall. So very interesting. Uh, Staten carries, uh, for your gun uh, nuts out there, Staten carries a Smith & Wesson 586 357 Magnum, a common handgun used by the FBI special agents in the mid-80s and 90s. That's a big gun for an FBI agent. Yeah, it's pretty big. thing would stick out from your jacket. Yeah. See, I don't, yeah. 357 Magnum? I don't know how you, everyone's just not using Glocks. I'm, I'm sure they all are now, but... Uh, the film is Portier's first and only R-rated film in which he is the headlining star. That's really? interesting. In order to keep the audience guessing, the hikers were played by actors known specifically uh, for playing villains, and the body count was eight sorry-ass motherfuckers. So, well, interesting. Yeah. Now, Some sorrier than others because <laughs> we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. So the movie starts out pretty interesting. It starts out with that guy that we can't see who's actually going into a jewelry store. But he's got the keys to the jewelry yeah. store. So you're not sure what's going on, but he's frantically like rounding up all the It was a very clever intro. Yeah. The writing of this was very clever. Absolutely. And so he's, he's basically stealing uh, or taking diamonds from what we think might be his own store. And then when he gets outside, we realize that the cops are there and they show up and the silent alarm, I guess, went off. And they're there talking about him, and they're wondering why he's stealing his own diamonds. And he's like emphatic, "Hey, they're my diamonds. I, I want to. I, want I can with do them. what I want." And so they don't really believe what he has to say. And this is our kind of introduction to Sidney Poitier, and be like, "Where is, uh, where is Mrs. So and So, whoever his uh, wife is?" And he says. He doesn't want to talk about it. And he says, well, her name's on the lease, so we really actually need to talk to her. And then you soon realize something's going on here. And we find out that it's a kidnapping that happened, and he's there to pick up the ransom to Those bring things to never the go kidnapper. Right. Those never go right. No. No. Not at all. The only only in Latin America. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But and, and mostly just and the reason people why in the is know. Because they give you the person back. Yeah. You know that it's just you a just business You just pay the deal. money. Yeah. And give, here's your person. It's stupid, but crazy i mean it's better than like what was that russell crowe movie when they brought him in to negotiate <laughs> uh, that might have been bridget fonda he went in there and negotiate for a kidnapping in south america huh i don't remember that it's not the green zone it nope. was uh yeah was it a ridley scott movie or something maybe it had that huh. feel interesting yeah all i think is man on fire you know with the kidnapping yeah. of uh what's her name but so it was a great scene and they brought in Sidney Poitier as kind of the negotiator, and you're hearing Clancy Brown doing his kind of Highlander voice over the phone and saying, he's clever. They're, they're really showing how clever he is. They got snipers set up, and all he wants to do is have a car filled with gas. He's going to drive to the dock, and he's going to drop the girl off at the end, and he's going to get out of there. He's just trying to get, negotiate his way out of the house, basically. And... The sniper set, and then you realize he comes out with like a blanket over him and the girl and you, his wife, and you can't get a clear shot. Both. Yeah, I mean that today, <laughs> or hit him with rubber bullets or whatever. Yeah, you there's do. not. They're not letting him in a car. Yeah, no. Today, today they probably would not do that. They were a lot more kind of weird. They're like shoot the one with the big feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you take an ankle out? You can take yeah, an ankle. Take out. Take an ankle out. But this guy is, he's... But it was clever for back then. They it was believable. It, that he's killed, like, he's done this before, and he's killed, like, three of the other hostages. He always kills the hostage. So they kind of were very skeptical. Well, he, he let one there. go and then shot her while the maid while she was on the yeah, front yeah, lawn. Yeah. So they knew right away. I'm sending out a message. I'm sending out a message. You get my message? You get my <laughs> message? Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, reminds me of De uh, Desperate... Uh, Ours was another good kind of kidnapping movie that was kind of on the same element as the beginning of this movie. So the, he gets to the car and he drives to the dock and he's like... You want to hear a kidnapping story? Before, bring it. Before you go <laughs> Everyone listening, I'm sure, is dying to hear a good kidnapping story. So... <laughs> Were you involved? No. Uh, there, I might even good, have been before my birth. But I was reading an article that Jimi Hendrix used to party a lot at Studio 54 and got to know the owner and got to know a bunch of people that worked there. So, and he was a big drug addict. So he would be buying drugs all the time. So he... That part, I believe. Yeah. So he got invited by these two Italian-American mafia-connected dudes. Hey, man, come back to our house. You know, we'll party. We'll, we'll sell you some drugs and everything will be good. 
they were meaning to kidnap him. They wanted his agent to sign over his contract to them. Because that's a thing. And <laughs> for three days, they kept Jimmy in the apartment. Jimmy had no idea that's he hilarious. was kidnapped. That's for hilarious. three days, he was he was... He was high on drugs, just partying. So finally, the owner from Studio 54 was like, I think I know who did it. And he called him up and he said, you release him right now or, or you guys are dead. He's like, I, he's like, I know that they're going to find out and someone's going to kill you. Yeah. So they released him, but he never knew he was kidnapped. Released him. Those guys are my friends. Yeah. Man. Look at all the drugs they gave me. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But yeah. That's kidnapping. Story. So yeah, it didn't make out. It didn't work out well for the jeweler's wife. No. He double-crossed him, shot her in the eyes, and then took off on a speedboat. And that's when he went deep into, like, British Columbia. Well, mountains. it was even cooler than the speedboat. Yeah. Because he p- put the gas on the speedboat, remember? And he let the speedboat go mm-hmm. empty. And he hid under the docks. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that everybody scene. left. And then he got and stole a car. I think he killed the guy that he yeah. stole the car from. But here's the coolest part about this whole movie that made it a different movie than it would have been. Is they showed Clancy Bound driving down the highway, obviously nervous. Mm-hmm. Up ahead, he sees a police roadblock, a big police roadblock. So he's like, "Damn!" He remember he makes a left, and then he goes down to where the the hikers were going to meet. Yeah, yeah. And he meets the one dude. I guess where the was first going one's with here. him. Yeah, yeah. And so he killed him and took his identity. Yeah. But as soon as he made the left to go down to the trail, the camera panned out more, and you saw that the police. Uh, barricade mm-hmm. was for a logging truck that had crashed. Oh, interesting. It had nothing to do with him. That's interesting. So I he would have totally kept going straight, and he'd have been absolutely fine. He would have got to Canada. Wow. But he didn't because he thought the police were there yeah. waiting for him, and what it wasn't. It was just a car accident. And, yeah, at that point now, he's just part of this hiking group, stolen that guy's identity, and he just goes up on this like weekend warrior trip that like six, four, four or five guys went on when Christy Alley. Two of them the didn't guy. look in shape to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they wanted to try it. You know, it's one of those things. It's always think, somebody huffing and puffing. Should, you should try unless you can do You have to like work your way up to that. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a pretty steep one to, to try to work your way up it. Elevation's no joke. Elevation's <laughs> no joke. And physical exertion's no joke. I'll tell you yeah. what. I walked 27 holes of golf on Tuesday. And someone started out with us, and after nine holes, he had to yeah, get yeah. a cart. Yeah, he's like, I haven't walked nine holes in three or four years. He's like, I didn't realize how hard. It was. Yeah, we when we went to me and the wife went to Iceland. We went walked up the mountain to go to a hot spring so we could like chill in the hot springs, and we didn't realize how much of a how steep it was and how yeah. much of a hike it was. And I had to take like six breaks, and this was before my asthma was like completely under control that it was now. I can't wait to go back there and try it. And see how many stops, but the elevation do. does matter because it does less matter. Oxi- it's less oxygen. Yeah, we so. went to Denver and did hiking and everything. And, and trying to a, breathe, I don't know about one. you, but I used to jog it up north in the mm-hmm. wintertime. That cold air burn like burns your throat. Yeah, like, yeah, it, 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 it's all those elements. Are, and so, yeah, it, the huffing and puffing did seem real with some of these guys. Yeah, and so shortly after. The, we see that there that what he's doing. We have Sidney Poitier visiting Tom Berenger with another guy, and that's where the animosity. You're big city cop. You're yeah. You're small my, town. You might be in your. You're in my element now. I basically, yeah. I think is what he said. Yeah, it's it's a really great kind of back and forth between those two. That where they're just like it, like a dick measuring. So contest finally, between them. so the great part is when he finally realizes oh, I got to take this guy. Yeah. He when goes, he's going through. He's like, "Where's your pack?" And he gets his pack, and he's just throwing, throwing shit, out, shit of out. It's really you don't great. Need this. You don't need this. Yeah. You don't need this. <laughs> it was really great. And well, the Tom Berenger was was get go to go up because the the clincher here is Ali uh, Christy Alley is his girlfriend. Yeah. So he's going to go up not only to help him but to save his girlfriend. And uh, he's going to go, and he's telling him, he says, you're not going to slow me down. He says, you're not going to slow me down. We're going to go at this pace. We're going to do this. And they go through some shit, man. I mean, when it snows and they have to hide under the snow for the night, it's like you know this is serious. Because they put these guys through hell. It's kind of a crazy movie for even Sidney Poitier to come back after 11 years to do because there's a lot of strenuous stuff that he has to do in this movie just to film, you know? I mean, he... When they're showing him walking, he's walking. This isn't like Mr. Tibbs behind the desk, yeah. <laughs> which he should have done this movie then and Mr. Tibbs now, you know, but crazy. So 
we're gonna there's a great scene that we're gonna talk about in depth where Clancy Brown just he gets revealed. He was gonna make his move at some point, anyways, or maybe he wasn't. You know, maybe he was just gonna do I the whole thing. I think if they had just got him across, he probably because yeah. the less attention you draw to yourself as you're escaping, the better. Because he had a gun fallout when Richard yeah. Mauser like slipped and he was gonna help him up, and then he just made a momentary decision. Yeah, he was like, "All right, and if I do it, I'm I'm but going like all in he, and doing his it." His excuse to him is like, "I'm a cop." Yeah, which could have played 100 percent believable. Yeah. yeah. Or just, I'm a gun owner. I mean, come on, it's fucking Would you Canada. go out in the wilderness without a gun? Yeah, I know. What the I hell? I told, I'm not a big, I have a gun. I don't like handguns. A lot of accidents happen with handguns. Yeah. This is just my personal opinion. I don't, I, if you want to own one, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We grew up with handguns. Yeah. We grew up shooting. It's, yeah. it's cool. So, but one of my wife's dreams is to like hike the Appalachian Trail yeah. no, one day. No, you're not doing that I'm taking a, a handgun on my ankle. Yeah, yeah, Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to get robbed by and a rifle. Point. I, I don't mean, need my rifle. I just need a hand. A lot of animals. I'm more. I'm almost more they, concerned they, with the alien uh, animals than the people. You know, you put the bullet in them, they'll move away. Yeah, or even shoot around them. I you guess. don't need to say, "Hey, look how big this gun is." Yeah, are, you, yeah, yeah. are you more scared? <laughs> I would also assume that everyone hiking the Appalachian Trail is also has armed. Armed has weapons. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So. You never want to be in a knife fight and yeah. not have it. Or uh, a it's gun. better than not need a gun and uh, or have a gun and not need it than need a gun and yeah. not have it. That was my true romance line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would have a good So idea. this whole scene goes down, and and Clancy basically takes him out one by one. We'll talk about the scene more in depth and everything. And then he just takes Christy Alley and says, all right, this is what it is, and I need I'm not going to hurt so. you. I need you to kind of stay with me here, and you're going to be completely fine. Just get me off the mountain type of deal. And they was like, all right. And then we get to see. It was great, the parallel. You know, you're seeing them do something and then you get to see Sidney Poitier yeah. and uh, Berenger do it. And at some point, they're not far behind And at them. some point, when she was in the cabin the first night, and she called on the radio yeah, to, in, yeah. and Clancy Brown was listening in, and uh, they revealed, remember, he's like, you can talk freely because I'm alone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's so-and-so Two people coming, coming to get you. There, yeah. yeah, so at that point... Jonathan's with him, and they, that. He knew... That people were after him. Yeah. Like it, the uh, very clever. Before, man. It was a very clever script, and it was very cleverly done. Like the way he did that, where he just was feeding her questions to the. But it's uh, almost FBI. like if I'm Sidney Poitier, I don't want him to know that. No, like, yeah, it's not good. I that guy shouldn't have. He should. I mean, said but anything. I mean, you could have told by her. She seems stressed, and that's really her only thing she can do. You but know, Clancy Brown wouldn't have been certain. It's true. I mean, she would have been stressed. But if I was, Christ- she would have been stressed. If I, mean- I was Christy Alley, though, on the phone, I would, and, and I was talking to say you or somebody that really know, know me, I would try to be as non-Paul as possible. Yeah, you know, with your answers, with the way you say things, like I use <laughs> hey, words. Paul, did you see you- a movie recently? You know, I hate movies. You know, I hate movies. Right? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm a TV guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I love <laughs> like- Gwyneth Paltrow. uh but yeah it it was it was very cleverly done so clancy brown was not in the dark for most of this and you forget until you rewatch this how much of the movie still has to go once they get out of the wilderness you know so they sydney and Barringer are surviving the the ravine they're surviving eating in the wilderness they're surviving the snow they're surviving all these crazy elements until they finally get out and once they get out, it's it, it's exactly what you would think it would be in yeah. British Columbia. Those big tractor trailer yeah. trucks flying yeah. by you. And it was, it's cool how the writers were clever because here's what they did. He gets away. Yeah. And so they're at the police station and they're trying to block roads. They're trying to do a bunch of things. And then they're standing outside and then this local resident is bitching to another cop in the background. Yeah. And saying, these people broke into my house and they ate all my food and trashed the place and Sidney Poitier is listening yeah. to this conversation while he's different like, one bigger he's like, ones you know that run. might not be kids that might yeah. be two people who so have been when in he the goes over there and he's like this is our guy and he's yeah. like how she w- can you tied see? up here yeah it's... he's like there's beer in the refrigerator yep. and they drank milk yep. it's like if these were teenagers yeah they would drink in the beer yeah it was very well done and it and it made sense that Sidney Poitier would be the one figuring this yeah. out that's what was great too is you got to see Tom Berenger be a badass in the wilderness, but in, you also got to see Sidney Poitier show and his skills of being a badass. that's been done in movies before. 
Yeah. Where you got two diametrically opposed people that have to kind of show you their chops, chops. you know, or like, how good here's they are. Here's where I shine. Job. I know you shine yeah. this way. Which is one of my favorite lines from the movie, which is used twice. And I think I'm probably going to end the, uh, the pod with it is you, you mountain men do this shit every, uh, all the time, every damn day. And then they, <laughs> he flips it on him at the uh, very end. Do you FBI agents do this shit all the time? Yeah. Every damn day. I loved it. It, it, was, it was so great. Yeah. It was cool. It had a couple of good car chases. Maybe that's why he did Bond. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. It, it, there's always a car chase in Bond. There's always... And that end sequence on the ferry could have been Did they ever Bond. bring in a director? I know this is getting off topic. Did they, I want, did they ever bring a director in to direct just the... It, intro for bond or is it always the, no it's always the, been the, the main yeah. guy but i bet you get show you get shows and like here's the ambitious yeah. intro we're gonna do and people forget that with a lot of those old bonds there was like one one like michael uh john glenn directed like five of them not the astronaut well, i was gonna uh, say he's, <laughs> john he's glenn multi-talented the right there and then uh, michael wilson directed a couple of them terrence stamp uh, i mean when you, a when you get more when terrence you know you, something is something to be said young. if you have a director, you build a language yeah. with the producers mm-hmm. in the first film. Yeah, so yeah. now if I bring you on for number two, I don't have to we, – we know how to talk to each other. We know how – what you know what I want. I know what you want. I'm, a better question is, is there ever been a director who's been a huge Bond fan that's been like, I'm going to do this movie to show them, them that I can do this movie? I bet that's an, the way – Well, here's, here's the thing. Any Mission Impossible director yeah. can do a Bond movie now. It's true. Well, the well, it's been the same director for the last like four or five of them. So Bonds. that guy is uh, no the Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Uh, so that guy will he clearly if he hasn't done a Bond movie yet. Uh, is it Chris, Christopher McQuarrie who does that, or is he the writer? I don't. One of those guys uh, does. But that. I mean, I that's McQuarrie about as, that. those in the Bourne movies are about as. Oh yeah, I mean they're so they're great for that type style. of stuff. Uh, and this, and we're gonna, it, it ends on the scene in the ferry, and we're going to be talking about that scene, so we can uh, we can cut it real short here. But I want to talk about that, it, just the the choice to jump on one ferry than the other was really really cleverly done in the script too, where they saw the car parked. There's two ferries at the dock. The car that they know that they stole and they've been chasing is parked on one of them, and they're all running towards that ferry, and then all of a sudden. Uh, Sidney Poitier looks at the other one and looks at Tom Barringer and he said, he's on that one. Only because he used the boat as a decoy in the beginning, remember? Yeah, it's true. I'm sure I mean, it probably clicked in his he, brain. He's, he's like, he wants us to think he's one place. Yeah, Tom Barringer's like, what makes you think that? And he's like, that's just the type of uh, son of a bitch this guy is. Yeah. Or that's just how this I mean, I thinks. would do that. Yeah, it was clever. <laughs> it was really great. And they weren't even paying attention when they, when they showed up. Like, when they saw... Clancy uh, Brown and Christy Alley standing there was like, man, that guy really thought he got away with that shit. So, all right, let's jump to some cool scenes here, man. This first one here, we I've got all pulled up and ready to go. Is I'll tell you if you want to pull up the YouTube clip. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Like when you're watching this movie, this is one of those scenes that you just can't wait when it comes. And when you're watching it a second time, at least, and. I've got a label here as Clancy Brown thins the herd. This is basically it's a four minute and five uh, He's not second wrong. trailer, <laughs> and a pull up at time code fifty four minutes and forty five seconds, and that's where the scene starts, where he basically kills the other hikers one by one in like a cool, clever way. So, so we'll play it here. British Columbia, man, gorgeous British Columbia. I'll turn the volume up a little bit, but you can catch a little bit in the background. It, it seems like a really hard group to follow. Be like, of all the people I could have blended in with, why couldn't I blend in with? I mean, they all look the same. They all have the same shaggy. That's hair. true, but it this way it actually serves as different purpose. You can blend in, and it takes you into Canada the way you kind of wanted to do in the first place. So it's it's a whole different thing when you know these are the uh, kind of the area where first blood has been. So they are on the edge of the cliff here. That would be too close for me to walk. Yeah, I've walked that close. In, in Iceland, you're like literally nothing keeping you from like two feet from the cliff. So I, I've done it before. But yeah, you just got to watch yourself. I mean, So Richard Miles are here. This is the... Uh, Look at that. That's a pretty narrow path. Yeah, it's pretty narrow. I'm telling you that Iceland, there was a lot like that. So Richard Mauser and Tom Clancy are kind of back from the group. And Clancy Brown? Clancy Brown, what'd I say? Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy? <laughs> yeah. I think he writes in books. Yeah, he books. writes books. Oh, so Richard Mauser. Wet Moss. Steps on it, and he is like, 
literally hanging off he the cliff. almost looks like he's gonna help him yeah like if he hadn't dropped his gun no i think he would have i think that would have probably cemented the fact that yeah. he is all right yep. so he leans down See, and oh, the yeah, gun falls yeah. right out of clancy brown's shirt and and it's interesting that mauser is even interested about the gun whatever fuck the gun get yeah. me up And so Clancy asks him to get the yeah, gun to first. him first instead of kind of helping him. So it's interesting that he does that. I don't think he's going to help him yet. Yeah, see, I think if he didn't ask Mauser to give him the gun, it, it probably would have passed as him just carrying a weapon for safety. But So now he does it, you know. He grabs Richard Mauser's arm and he pulls him the hell up out of this rock, I think, too. I think f- falling it. It's got to be one of the uh, most horrible things. Can you th- cause you just can think because about you it. got a lot of time to think yeah. about it before oh, you hit so the ground? Clancy just literally lets him go, and some stuntman <laughs> some did a dummy fall. gets the last ten feet. The last ten feet was a dummy <laughs> for sure, and he falls into the rapids down there. And then his scream alerts the other guys, yeah. so they go back down the path. And there, Clancy quickly hides the gun, secures it a little better this time, and, then, and just pretends, hey, he just fell off. But he doesn't wait long. No. Everyone's leaning really far over to see if they can see Andrew Robinson. And boom, one of them goes. And boom, second one, third one goes. And Andrew Robinson's the only one left standing. And this is the thing I was talking about. Uh, Wouldn't you have to say, shoot me? Yeah, yeah. Or I I would make a move for the gun. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make a move for the gun. He's got the gun like literally a foot in front of Andrew Robinson's head. And he's telling him to jump off the cliff. And Andrew Mm -hmm. Robinson looking scared shitless. It's, huh? He's telling him jump. Yeah, screw that. Yeah, I'm not jumping where shit, man. You're gonna have to shoot my ass. Yeah. Oh, and he puts it right to his head. Why not try to slap yeah, it away? Yeah. Uh, you got to take your shot, especially yeah. when he looked like he was resolved to die. Oh, uh, and he falls right in. Every one. No of the chance falls, on living, though. right? I would. Imagine. I mean, I would think there's definitely a chance unless you hit the rocks. Yeah. Uh, not all of them would have lived, but there is definitely a chance a couple of them. So, you know, Cristiali's freaking out, and he's just saying, hey, I need you. You're safe. I'm not going to kill you. I can't get off the mountain without you. Yep. Which almost should put in her head, oh, I'm important. So yeah. I can. Well, she starts messing with him later on. She does start messing with him. She's like or just getting lost on purpose. Or, yep. like, oh, yeah. It was I've almost that, that parking lot scene with Bridget Fonda. Is it here, Lewis? <laughs> Is it here, Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Or eating the fish. Like, hey. I remember when she ate the fish, I was like, I would never eat sushi ever in a million years. Uh, Now it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's true. All right. Good scene right there, man. All right. And this next scene we're going to jump to is going to be at an hour and 37 minutes. And that's going to be the ferry scene. So we're going to jump to it right now. All right, we're at an hour and 37 minutes, and looks like we're in the middle of the car chase. Yeah, and you could tell he's a little out of his element at this point. Oh, yeah. Sydney's driving, and he's driving like he has done this shit before. And Clancy still has Christy Alley in this scene, and they are in what is one of those big wagons? Yeah, that he's driving it's like almost like that? a Bronco. It's like cr- it's cool Bronco. that they picked one of those cars because that's the kind of thing when you're doing a car chase, it's always got to be the consideration. I mean, they're obviously in like an it has old, to stand out, yeah, too, especially. Uh, so now. They're at the point where they might have lost him, so they're making yeah, kind he, of quick decisions of where they think he could possibly be going. He's he's di- he's been right so far. Yep, it just uses the it's like FBI instinct, you know. Yeah. And so now he pulls up to where the two ferries are, and you got two choices: you've got the air, the ferry on the left or the ferry on the right. And send half men, half of the other. Why at all? You don't need. That's really what you should do. They they kind of take a second to kind of uh, decide which way they should go. Sydney Portier does spot the the truck, and man, he is <laughs> jumping run over hoods jumping and stuff. He's over like, I'm hood. climbing over the hood. That's it, he's like, got to be in his forties. Oh, he's got to be in his fifties in this movie. I would imagine. Could you jump over a hood? No, I'm I'm barely walking around a hood. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of shitty for these cops that aren't part of the next part of the movie too. They are like they chose poorly. And, well, they have to either come <laughs> back to the dock or whatever. So yeah, now Sidney Poitier sees the other one about to take off. Like what he should literally have taking is off. Tell them not to launch either ferry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know if you call ahead or something. Yeah. If it was cell phones, this would have been easy peasy. But so they 
in the split second make the decision to jump to the other ferry. And they 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 literally literally going to jump. I don't know who did this. Oh, man, yeah, someone did this stunt. That one was okay. No, they were about all right. But, man, that's a hard land. Yeah, it's a hard land. There was a pretty, there was probably, what, a 12-foot gap that they were jumping over, maybe? Onto a steel plank. Onto a moving kind of ferry. So now they're just kind of weaving through all these parked cars. You ever parked a car on, like, a ferry like that? I have. I've never done that. I'm going to take a ferry. We're going to San Francisco uh, next week, and we're taking a ferry to... Uh, from Sausalito back to the Fisherman's Wharf, and we're taking another one to Alcatraz, so I'll be on two ferries. You're going to see Vicky. You're going to go see Vicky. Everyone, my name is John Johnson. Everyone here calls me Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Pissing in the bitch's ocular cavities. <laughs> All right. So, so now Behringer is just kind of jumping on the back of cars and everything just to kind of find out where they are, you know? That is a big gun. You know, he Cindy, wanted the Cindy Poitier is like, I want the impressive gun. I mean, I want that a, dirty Harry gun. It has a lot of stopping power. Yeah. Actually, Dirty Harry had the 44, right? Yeah. He yeah. had the big, big one. Didn't at one point he, he had, had the 357? I'm sure. But he was known for the 44. Yeah. I think uh, Charles Bronson. Was oh, I had the 357. Yeah. So now they are still looking deep into the ferry. It's kind of like one of those cat and mouse type of th- situations. But. Oh, man. Nope. See, that was kind of a bonehead move. Yeah. He saw yeah. Clancy and Christy Alley, and he, he just, snuck he on just called on out and would have had a shot. Yeah. They could have taken him by surprise. He doesn't really easily. need her anymore. Oh, really? Other than as a body shield. So now there is, and that's exactly what he's using. He's like kind of walking backwards on the ferry in front of these cars, using her as a shield. And she is struggling hardcore. I mean, assuming that I guess she's, he's not going to shoot her. It's not that good of a shot. Miss Behringer right there. It's hard to shoot under duress, I've been told. Oh, I've, I would imagine. I would imagine. So they end up going to the another level. They end up, Tom Behringer is going to go on to the top level where City Poitier is going to go kind of directly at him, <laughs> which is the smart move. <laughs> so Sidney Poitier's got a great position. The first AD just told everybody to run. <laughs> He's got his one eye shut, and he is pointing that gun towards Clancy Brown, man. And I would assume Sidney Poitier's a damn good shot. And Behringer is right above him, on the deck above him. And Behringer's actually going to climb out on the deck and kind of do one of those it kind of like jump down doing moves, his own stunt, too. Which is, which is kind of smart. I used to love that line, too. You shoot her, you're dead half a second later. Yeah. Which is true. I'm surprised I mean, many I mean, people don't say I'm that. I'm surprised that's why it didn't end at the front door of the jeweler's house. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like, really is true. You got to take that shot when you can take that shot. Yeah. And he does a great shot here, man. So Sidney Poitier is about to shoot Clancy Brown. And I always loved this scene when I was a kid watching it. He's got the shifty eyes. So he's making a move with her. Sidney shoots. He doesn't get him at that point. But oh, oh he yeah. just that was a good shoots, squib too. Shoots Clancy Brown's the top half of his ear, and they had off. the they had the pump blow blood out. Yeah, it was probably a, one of those uh, filament like pulled off yeah, yeah, things yeah. because I, I've seen them do that many times. They just pulled his ear, that part of his fake ear off. So he's doing a complete OJ Simpson running through the yeah. Uh, he probably the said, "I'm going to jump over lots of stuff." Yeah, so they are running through massive crowds. Clancy's pushing old people to the ground. Sydney's jumping over things. He is definitely get his workout for an older guy in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look up how old he was. Uh, for this. Can you imagine having to set up all that stuff again? They knocked over for take number yeah. two. It's interesting that Clancy doesn't take another hostage because he's certainly passing by a yeah. lot, and he he's is panicking. Shooting, at this he doesn't time. give a shit. He is just shooting among people, and if you're not ducking, you're. I don't know shot. where he thinks he's going to go. They're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, so they're he's just <laughs> running through the galley. Barringer has Christielli, so they're they're safe, really. At this point, it's just basically Sydney and Clancy. I don't know why they didn't give Berenger a. Oh, uh, this moment's uh, this moment's crazy too. When Clancy tries to get that woman and the kid to walk yeah, over yeah. to him, that's another thing. Mom used to tell us: is never get in the car, never get in the car, never get in the, out of the boat, never get in the car. Yeah, he's not hesitating. This fire. So yeah, now it's same sitch. They're on top. They're on a, the open deck now, overlooking the water. It's like ten shots fired from everybody, and it's only one ear. Clancy's reloading, at least. We get to see him reload. And, yeah, sees the scared mom kind of covering her children. And she's trying to get her to come over. And she's about to do it. She's about to do it, too, which is crazy. 
I love that. I love the angry Clancy Brown voice. That's when he becomes the Highlander. <laughs> or no, that's when he becomes the or the carnival guy. No, the the guard at Shawshank. Oh yeah, we didn't even mention that movie when we we're talking. <laughs> so oh man, Sydney takes a shot in the shoulder. Two Clancy's shots. making a move. He's just rushing him with the gun. Shoots Sydney twice. I don't think he shot enough to be out of bullets. Yeah, man. He reloaded. And these two kind of titans. Oh man. Shoots that was right three. past Sydney's head. That was seven. He should still have two more bullets. He was he was putting him in one by one. We're assuming he filled the clip. <laughs> so he shoots right at Sydney's head and click. Nothing happens. And then they both go flying off the ferry, Third which is story. dangerous as shit, man. Two people on top of each other. Yeah. Fly in the water, underwater cameras, really great. So this is the type of stuff if you're going to be a Bond director. And, you need to uh, show. Sydney <laughs> Portier is basically in shock. Yeah. And Clancy's pulling him down, so they're like, He's like kind of struggling together. He still wants to kill him instead of trying to get away. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I would have loved a really great commentary or documentary on this right to see nice. what to do. Yeah, Sydney's biting him underwater, but whatever it does. Sydney's got his gun out, points it at Clancy, and boom. Underwater. Is that like a Mythbusters thing? Can you do that? Can you shoot? If that close you can. That close. Projectile will come out. Yeah. So he's, it's like point blank. blank. So he they, shoots Clancy yeah. and Clancy just goes to Myth the Mythbusters were trying to bust the Saving Private Ryan, the guys that jumped over the side and oh, they got really? shot underwater. Interesting. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. But mm-hmm. if you're in the water and point blank, it, yeah. projectile will come out. So yeah, Tom Berenger jumps into the water and saves Sidney Potter's ass, man, because he was about Clancy to just Brown's float down. Clancy Brown's going down to David Jones' locker. Yeah, that's exactly where he's going. So yeah, man, and that's how they end the movie. You know, he he leans Danny up to him and Portia makes it, gives him his one line. Alert. I would have loved to have seen this. It made fifteen million dollars. I would have loved to have seen a sequel with these two. I don't know they if could have totally do a sequel done it. with the two of them. You could have done a sequel with Sidney Portia moving to a new case. Yeah, the way they did it with The Fugitive yeah. was really yeah. smart. Make it, follow the guy, follow not the, guy, the not movie, the movie. Really. So uh, U.S. Marshals basically just followed Gerard. It was their next case. It was just Gerard's next case. Yeah. And they could they have easily done, the same done this thing with this. With and I you mean, could do a separate movie with Tom Berger. You could have probably um, done it if... if if he called him in to help him with something in the yeah. wilderness. Or like something. if it's not like it's not the British Columbia wilderness, yeah. but if it's they down in the Catskills, you need him over there to help you out or something like that. Yeah, I would have watched it. So I'm glad we got it. You know, and it, it as much as I say sometimes, man, I wish they'd done a sequel. I love the pureness of it. You know, mm-hmm. and where Sydney's not alive anymore, they're not making a sequel to I this. Mean, Tom Barron. This was not- a good movie. There was nothing. There was literally no parts that were draggy. The, uh, no. the script was. Very well written. It was films really nice. It looked the nice. acting was the act, was great the too. Was good. I think you the know? acting is probably Some, what took it to yeah, the next sometimes level. Sometimes movies you're like, ah, oh, I like that movie, but putting Dolph Lundgren in there might have been not the good or, thing. Or just just swimming away from the shore at the end. What's the one when he the, he had to have perfect body? God damn it! Was it the Gattaca? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you like that movie up to the very up end, till right? the very end. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of movies where it just it's loses. Like, damn it! The end. Yeah, yeah, I know. You almost say that to yourself when you see that horrible scene. You're yeah. like, God damn it! You guys had this. You were over yeah. the mar- yeah. You were over the fucking uh, yeah. finish line, just, and then you blew it. What did the run? You run out of money for the writer? Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? Crazy. I don't understand. It's like talking someone. They talked him into it, and it was like that was such a bad decision. Yeah, so if you haven't seen this movie, check it out for sure, man. And there's no excuse because it's available on YouTube, a really great for copy on for free on YouTube. So pull it up on your TV and watch it sometime because just in honor of like some great Sidney Poitier or Tom Berenger, just you like good thrillers and action movies, man, because it, it really I mean, holds a, up. A good thriller is timeless. Yeah, it really is. If it you doesn't can, have like a sci-fi element or yeah, something. Like, like The Edge, you can watch The Edge will hold up. For all time, man. Yeah, that's a great kind of the only thing. You, movie. The only thing, well, it'll always hold up. I think where people nowadays are so wrapped up in technology. Yeah, I guess you won't they have can't get over a lot of that stuff. GPS. Like if you do a thriller now, you you have to make that impossible. No cell tower. I don't have any bars. Yeah, this sucks. It sucks. What was the no five G? Tucker and Dale. Yeah, versus evil. Versus evil. Yeah. I think they did that like early on, established that they didn't have yeah cell, cell phones. That's uh, lines were working. <laughs> I know what's happening here. Everybody's yeah. going up here and committing suicide. We got your friend. We got your friend. <laughs> that's what, what I think. If you haven't seen that movie, uh, I don't know if it's obscure, but 
Oh, it's it's pretty obscure. It's so But it was available on Netflix for a while, so I think a lot of people it's saw so it through that. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, we'll do that one of these days, for sure. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's good for this week. We are uh, going to be doing... Uh, me and me and Dave's next one is going to be Beastmaster. Me and Justin... One of my childhood favorites, yeah, by the way. definitely. And me and Justin are going to do Shocker next, and then we've got another couple more planned other than that, but Shocker, I think, is the next one me and Justin are going to do, which from, I love Shocker, man. He's the guy from... Uh, yeah, Mitch Pelegi from uh, X-Files. X-Files. Yeah, he was from X-Files, and he went on doing a whole bunch of other crap, too. Wes Craven, one of Wes Craven's more obscure ones, Shocker. Peter Berg. People forget he was a director, too, oh, yeah. before he played that little punk kid yep. in that movie. Well, he directed one of my favorite movies, The Kingdom. Kingdom, yep. Awesome. He was in one of my favorite obscure movies, Late for Dinner, which no one seems to have seen besides me. I loved it. Uh, so, yeah, you should join us for the next couple of weeks. Or I mean, we'll be doing it for a while. So if you are interested in obscure movies and just being introduced to these movies or just ha- hearing somebody talk about them because you don't get to hear about people talk about Shoot to Kill every day. You know, they barely made a, a documentary or a, a behind-the-scenes footage it for it. away for free so. on YouTube. So. Yeah, what the hell? Come on. <laughs> Uh, if you want to hit us up, you can shoot us an email, fascinatedfilms at gmail.com. You can also leave her a like or a comment on our uh, two platforms, which is Soundtown, uh, SoundCloud <laughs> or iTunes. Or you could just visit our Facebook page. We've made some really cool collages for all these movies we're talking about, so they'll let you know uh, what's playing that week. And uh, you can just communicate with me and Justin through there. That'd be great. You can just show up at Paul's house. Yeah, twenty seven hundred East University Avenue. <laughs> wait, wait, that's not where 16. I lived. That's not where I lived. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, so until next week, see ya later. You FBI guys do this kind of shit a lot. Every damn day. Hey.